This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Good Thursday afternoon. Thanks for hanging out with me today. It was, well, just over two years ago that six Calgary families, their lives changed forever. Five young Calgary, well, I'm going to say young adults, they were murdered in the now what's called, sadly, the Brentwood Five Murders. On the day that was supposed to be a day of celebrating the last day of that year of university, and one Calgary man stood charged with those murders. On Monday, 23-year-old Matthew DeGrood stands trial, five counts of first-degree murder. For the last number of months, Global Calgary reporter Jill Croteau has been connecting with the families who have really come together through tragedy and have created a very special bond. Jill Croteau joins me in studio today. Hello, Jill. Good afternoon, Ange. You know, even when I was looking at the background again, wow, all the feelings came back to me, how Calgary was just shocked by the story of the five young people who were murdered that night. Yeah, and it was a stunning story. It captivated the headlines. People really across the country, it touched a nerve because you think these are five great ordinary kids who just were at this party, it's wrong place, wrong time, and suddenly that's the last day they're alive. And we remember really in the early hours of this because... When there's a murder in the city, yeah, you know, there's a murder and we hear about it on the news. But then we're hearing how many were killed. And then you find out who they are and the careers they had ahead of them. I think that's what really got so many people in Calgary, that there was such opportunity that was lost with these kids. Yeah, it was the promise. It was such potential. They were so academically inclined They were sort of on the cusp of greatness. You know, they were emerging musicians. You know, Uh, Lawrence Hong worked for, you know, parts of the city and was an advocate for the transit and the bike paths. And all these people were really engaged with our city. And it was like all lost within a moment. In my introduction, I said six families, their lives were changed forever because, of course, Matthew DeGroote is the one stand accused of the murders. And it was even hard to see that his family in those early days when we learned who it was, who was charged with it. You know, we always have to be careful with our words here because no matter what comes out of this trial, there is another family that has been rocked as well by this. Right, and a police officer's son, you know. Um, People think, wow, he was just the most unlikely of people for this to happen to. And, I mean, you know, you talk about the trial and how it's starting on Monday, and, and, and I think that that's sort of what has compelled these families, some of them, to break their silence for the very first time, um, is because they don't want it to be all about him. We have to remember what was lost that day, and that was sort of the overarching, motivating reason for them to come forward and share such intimate memories and moments with us. Did you approach them? Because I'm thinking, how difficult is this to say, you know what, we really want to find out how life has been for you? You know, it was extraordinary because it was actually 
their idea. Um, I had um, done some coverage of sort of their fundraisers and, um, you know, focused on this Prophets of Music Foundation, which is now in memory of Joshua Hunter. Um, it's championed by his parents. And, and so I got to know them, and, and then uh, I met with Katie Paris's uh, mom and dad, and they said, you know, they pitched the idea. They thought, what do you think of this? When the trial starts, we can have the profiles of these five kids. And I thought, of course. Yes. I mean, what a beautiful way to memorialize and honor them and remind the public that it isn't all about the day they died. They were victims, yes, but they lived. They had such a life. And you're right, Jill, because so often when we have trials of this nature, we just hear about the accused, the accused, the accused. And especially in this case, when there was five victims, sadly, we can forget those names because that's it's a long list for people to remember. And so what a great idea to be able to say, let's remember them. I want to start with a clip, though, because your documentaries, your series begins when, Jill? Uh, tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning is going to start on the morning news. So I want to just start with a clip here. And um, just to set the scene, we've got the families, the parents of the five victims, and they're just all meeting with Jill and talking about what they've been through. We don't even have to say, hi, how are you? We just can start talking about our feelings right away. And it doesn't take a lot of words for Kelly to understand how I feel. And then she tells me that she feels exactly the same way on the same day. You just don't have to explain it. You don't have to justify it. My pain, what the, the pain I'm feeling about it, no one else is feeling that. But I also know that they're in their pain too. It's a safe haven for us. Somewhere, someplace that we could uh, communicate among ourselves with our inner feelings. Some days I feel, I feel light and I think, wow, I'm gonna get through this, I'm gonna be okay. And other days, not so much. Their anguish of losing their own child is amplified because they're mourning the loss of all the others. Our children has a common denominator. They're great young kids, they're very talented. So now we turn out to be five families. You know, it's sad. This is our new life, I guess. This is our new life, I guess. And I don't think any family wants to experience that new life. So, Jill, how often do the families come together? I mean, you got to think about these people were strangers before. They never knew one another. Their kids really didn't hang in the same circles with the exception of Josh and Zachariah who were in the band together. But they meet, and they've been doing this for the last two years. They meet every two weeks in the same space. I mean, you know, some of them come one day, not all of them come the other day, but, um, you know, they're there with the guidance of uh, a counselor who has been donating her time and her office space for the last two years so they can have this collective space and share. I'm so glad to hear that there's also a professional because, yeah, that's great that they've got this bond that has formed here out of the tragedy. But you almost would have to have a professional because everyone grieves differently and everyone goes through those stages of grief differently. So I'm sure even within that group, some people might feel that you never want to say moving on, but they're just at a a different stage in this. 
And some days they're angry. Some days they're devastated. I mean, Rhonda Lee Rathwell, uh, Zach's mom that you heard in the clip there, she said some days are good and some days aren't. And they can lean on one another. And it's like, it's almost like they don't need to share words. It's like they can look in one another's eyes and be like, you know what, you've been there, you know? And they talk about their, their, I I mean, they talk about it in in such a kind of a delicate balance. They're not lucky because no one ever wanted to be in this situation together. But they have never been more grateful that they have formed their support group with one another. And they've all been on this journey together. I mean, as you mentioned, in in different paths at different times. But, I mean, and that's the strength that they're going to have throughout this trial. They can be together as this force. Because you could go to any support group, and there are lots of support groups out there for families who have lost children or kids who have lost parents, but they know their five children were in the same situation. They all know what each other, as you say, you don't need to have words because you know what you're, to a point, feeling. Exactly. And I mean, and aside from just kind of navigating through the darkness of that day, um, and sort of reliving the worst day of their life, you know, it's it's like they find such comfort in one another and they've just become almost like a family. I mean, it's really hard to describe, but they become sort of uh, this concept that they can lean on one another and just sort of be present with each other. Now, as you said, Jill, the reason they even pitched the idea to you was because they knew when the trial begins on Monday, people are going to be probably more focused on the young man who stands accused of killing, killing their children rather than their children. So coming up after the break, I, I want to play a number of clips from Jill's series, Remembering the Victims like Zachariah Rathwell, Lawrence Hong, Josh Hunter, Jordan Segura, Katie Perez. We're going to do that after this. I'm Angela Cocott. You're listening to Calgary Today on News Talk 770. Global, global, rather, Calgary. How did I manage to combine global and Calgary? But Global Calgary news reporter Jill Croteau is joining me this half hour because she has done a number of special reports On Monday, Matthew DeGrood will be on trial, five counts of first-degree murder. In the uh, case of the five people who were killed in Brentwood in April of 2014. I want to just play some of the clips, though, because if you're just joining us, the parents of the five victims, they really thought it was important that, yes, the trial will be going on, but we don't want people to forget the, the victim's of this trial, why Matthew DeGroote is on trial. So I want to start here with Lawrence Hong, just a uh, clip from Jill's piece. He has matured so much, and that's what we have been wanting to see. That's what we have dreamed of. And seeing the person he had become is just as heartbreaking as going back to where it all started. Every moment while we are on the ride, from the hospital to our home, I keep on talking to him. I want him to feel a sense of security. That we will be there for him forever. Never thought this day would happen. 
that he would be taken away from us. A life without Lawrence has strengthened their family, but it's been tough seeing each other in such unbearable pain. From outside, people think that I look okay. I just can't show them how broken I am. I always assumed that when I had to take care of my parents, my brother would be there with me. And now I don't have that. Hard to hear Lawrence's mom say that from the outside I look okay, but yeah. inside she's just broken and she you have to have that brave face almost. Well, and, I'll, and some of them, I mean, Marlene um, has only recently returned to work. You know, I mean, it's been that hard to just, I mean, get out of bed. And sometimes, you know, because grief and the loss of a child is not something that anybody wants to mentally... They, they don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. And so people don't know what to say to these families and they don't know how to look at them or do I ask them about it? So there's that uncomfortability. So you're kind of walking around with this shield pretending that you're okay, but inside you're dying. What must be important though as a family, and, and they said that they're all dealing with it differently, but at least Lawrence's family can remember Lawrence, right? He, yeah. he, now, Lawrence, r- remind people about Lawrence Hong because another shining light there. I mean, Lawrence was, you know, he was so academically successful. You know, this, um, this young man had such a future ahead of him. He was, you know, involved in so many transit projects. He was an advocate for the bike paths and he had won, you know, many, many awards And it's funny that we talk about him in such an accomplished, you know, esteemed way because his brother said something to me that I just, it has always struck me. He said, you know what? He's like, two years ago, my brother was just kind of a slacker and he was lazy and he really wasn't amounting to anything. But the loss is still the same for me. I lost my brother, whether he was going to be this great success in Mm. the world or if he was just going to be who he was. Who he was. Oh, yeah. And, and that's true, too, because sometimes even when someone passes away, you put them on even a higher pedestal, and a brother can say, well, wait a second, but still, I lost my brother. I don't care what my brother's accomplishments were. Yeah. I still lost my brother. want to move on to uh, Josh Hunter. Uh, tell me a little bit about Josh before I play this clip. I mean, Josh uh, was a drummer in um, the, the band Zachariah and the Prophets, and he was just sort of... Uh, you know, an emerging musician. I mean, he's so talented. And the love that he had for his family and was, I mean, for a young man, I mean, his family describes him as just a beautiful person and says that the world needs more people like Josh. All right, here is a clip from Jill Croteau's special series. If everyone lived like he did, the world would be a different place. His infinite presence could always be counted on to captivate a room. His hugs. We are on our he was a good hugger. <laughs> he made it count. As long as I'm with you. If he came into the room and he thought I was having a bad day, he'd just come over and say, Hey, Mama. <laughs> Give me a hug. It might be in arms I miss that. One of the things that I found most in- endearing about Josh is. Um, just is his love for babies. So when I had my first baby, he came over and, um, sorry. 
my kids won't know Josh. And he was just like the kind of guy that everybody should know. He touched a lot of lives in his short life. He really did. Yeah, he was uh, quite a young man. Somebody says it gets easier. I'm waiting for that to happen. Yeah, waiting for it to get easier. Uh, I want to move on to Katie Paris because we remember uh, shortly after the tragedy, we heard that she was such a creative person. I want to play this clip now. She did everything at her own pace and at her own time. And I actually have so much regard for that. But she didn't let people push her around. such a strong person she was stubborn she was complicated but just genuine all the time she was this funny intelligent caring amazing daughter the most oh, the best friend to Nikki you know and everybody's going through something that like they should never have to go through it's awful that's the only way I can put it. But... I see her sister in her, and somehow it, it comforts me. I can still see Katie alive in her. She didn't let people push her around. I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jill, I want to set up, um, I want you to set up, let's see, we've got a couple, of, well, we've got two more people that we want to remember. Zachariah Rath- Rathwell. Yeah, he was the front man for their band, Zachariah and the Prophets, and he just had such a light about him. And he played electric guitar too. I mean, just, you know, on the verge of something really, really special. And, I mean, he was an artist too, and, um, you know, Dearly, dearly missed by his family. My first memory was snipping the umbilical cord. My first memory was snipping the umbilical cord that morning when he came into this world. And my last memory is being at the coroner's office and identifying him at 21 years of age, right? There's just more pictures. You know, we have wonderful memories, great memories of Zach, but we're not going to make any more memories. <sighs> and you know, there aren't too many people that I can say all my memories are wonderful. <laughs> oh, excuse me, but with Zach, I can't. Just wish he could have been with us more, longer. We don't make that choice. And one of the hardest things for me is accepting the fact that he had to go so early, whatever the reason. And I know that as long as I'm on this earth, I'll never understand why. I have to accept and go on with my life. I know that's what he would have wanted. Yeah, you always think of what they really would want to see you doing if they had passed away. Let's finish off here with Jordan Segura. I worked hard, and it's just been taken away. Jordan was a devoted son. The love for his mom was always shown. Sentiments she will always cherish, even on his last day alive. 
I think his last thought would have been of me to tell you the truth because he loved me. And there's no way I'll ever know. It's just hard when you know your child has been hurt. Probably the hardest times are when I'm left alone to think, making sure I keep up the things he would, would have wanted if he could uh, leave me a sort of a to-do list. It would be taking care of my mom. I would give anything to have Jordan walk through the front door. You know, like for somebody to come up to me and say, there's been a mistake and Jordan is fine. He'll be right over. Like that's a daydream that I have. I still feel a connection with him. Like, even though he's gone. Croteau, thanks so much for doing this and helping us remember the victims of the Brentwood tragedy. And it all begins, as you said, tomorrow morning on Global News. Yes, that's when we uh, sit down with all the families. Um, they came down to our studios, so that's going to be airing, uh, debuting tomorrow morning uh, during the morning show. And then next week, Monday through Friday, we're going to set aside each night to profile each five of these exceptional young people. Thanks so much for this, Jill. My pleasure. Jill Croteau, reporter with Global Calgary. We are back after this. Calgary Today with Angela Cocott. Weekdays at 3 on News Talk 770 Calgary.